We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hello, Lakers Nation. Welcome into the LakersNation.com podcast. I am Trevor Lane. You can find me over on X at Trevor underscore Lane on Instagram and threads at Trevor Lane NBA. Happy Monday. Hopefully you guys all enjoyed the Super Bowl yesterday. It was a lot of fun. Went all the way into overtime. Then Patrick Mahomes doing Patrick Mahomes things right at the end. Congrats to my guy, Mark Gunnels. His team got the job done. We've got a lot to talk about in the world of the Lakers, though. Uh, Spencer Dinwiddie. Ooh, let's start there. Spencer Dinwiddie, his uh, debut. Sounds like it's going to be tomorrow against the Detroit Pistons. He, you know, it was nice the Lakers had this break. We have three days in a row. No games for the Lakers. Then they play back-to-back and then head into the All-Star break. If I had my preference, would have the Lakers playing tonight against the Pistons, Wednesday against the Jazz, then go to the All-Star break. So you're not playing second night of a back-to-back against the Jazz team that, frankly, you, you really need to beat in terms of the standings. And we're going to take a look at the standings in just a moment. But nonetheless, Spencer Dinwiddie, by getting these three days in a row off, he's going to make his Lakers debut uh, tomorrow against the Detroit Pistons. I'm excited for that. I think that Dinwiddie is going to be a solid fit for this team. I think he's going to fit right into that old Dennis Schroeder role from last season, be the third guard in the rotation. And I'm hoping, fingers crossed, that those shooting percentages improve compared to what we saw over the the course of the season with the Brooklyn Nets. Uh, They were bad. Let's face it. They were bad. But I do think Dinwiddie gives you another guy who can attack the basket, who can draw the defense. And that's going to be a good thing for this Lakers team. And you know what? You can't complain. You got the guy for nothing, essentially, right? Just a roster spot. Sure, there's opportunity cost there, but he's on a minimum deal. Well, $1.5 million deal for the remainder of the season. It's hard to really be too upset about that. Speaking of which, though, a bizarre detail emerged in his contract. Bobby Marks of ESPN mentioned this. He actually does have a bonus in his contract. That's right. Uh, He has got a contract bonus that, um, you know, this may wind up costing the Lakers uh, a little bit of money here. So Spencer Dinwiddie, in his contract, it stipulates with the Lakers that should the Lakers win an NBA championship this year, then the Lakers have to fork over a dollar to Spencer Dinwiddie. I don't know if he's just a big trading places fan or fan or what, but apparently the Lakers owe Spencer Dinwiddie a dollar if they win the NBA championship. Dinwiddie is known for kind of doing some funny stuff with his contract. He's the guy who wanted to get his uh, his contract paid in crypto at one time, which now he's at crypto.com arena. But um, it, it all makes sense, I guess, when you when you factor all that in with, with Dinwiddie and what he's tried to do in the past. He gets a dollar if the Lakers win the NBA championship. So he's got something 
on the line there. But I'm excited for his debut, excited to see how he fits with this team and to see what he can do for the Lakers in the backcourt. Again, pretty risk-free. Yeah, there's the opportunity cost, but risk-free signing. And uh, I do think he's going to bring something here to the Lakers. But you know what? Uh, Dinwiddie, well, it all kind of worked out for the Lakers and that they landed Dinwiddie off the buyout market. I do feel like he was the best player on the buyout market. Uh, Kyle Lowry, by the way, is going to wind up going to the Philadelphia 76ers, which was the worst kept secret of the buyout market. But Dinwiddie, he's younger. I think he'll have a bigger impact than Lowry will with the 76ers. So not only was I think do I think that he's the best guard on the market, I think that Dinwiddie's the best player on the market, period. So I'll take it, but this was not the number one option for the Lakers. They wanted to make moves at the trade deadline. They tried to make moves at the trade deadline. However, they were foiled, and they believe something called a Lakers tax came into play. And of course, Lakers fans, you know what I'm talking about. Teams not wanting to do business with the Lakers. Let's take a look here. This is from Jovan Buha of The Athletic. In conversations with rival teams, the Lakers, according to team sources, sensed something of a Lakers tax, with Los Angeles believing it was asked to pay more for role players in potential deals than other suitors. The Lakers were surprised by some of the final prices quoted for certain players. Several of the Lakers' top targets, including uh, DeJounte Murray, uh, Toronto's Bruce Brown Jr., Brooklyn's Dorian Finney-Smith, Washington's Tyus Jones, and Chicago's duo of Alex Caruso and Andre Drummond didn't move the deadline a sign to Los Angeles that demands were out of control. You know, this was something that we heard uh, at this year's trade deadline was that the, the prices were sky high, and we've been talking about it for literally months now about how prices were going to have to come down in order for deals to get done. And that's not out of the ordinary at all. Prices are crazy high in December, crazy high in January. It's the urgency created by the trade deadline in February that pulls down prices as well as lifts up offers and then deals wind up getting done. But the concern was because of a variety of factors, when you look at the new collective bargaining agreement, you look at the play-in tournament, which was uh, preventing a lot of teams from feeling like they were out of the playoff hunt. It was very much a seller's market, and there were other factors as well, but it was a seller's market. There were a ton of buyers, a small amount of sellers, and frankly, not a lot of players that were really going to move the needle. And so when you had all of these things combined, it created a market that was very difficult to buy in. So I think that first and foremost was an issue, but still the Lakers got the sense that what a team would ask for, for player X, if they were going to trade player X off of their roster, they would ask for less from other teams than what they would ask from the Lakers. Well, a Lakers tax is a real thing. Now, it depends on what franchise it is, of course, and it's going to vary from team to team, but teams don't want to be seen as helping the Lakers. Nobody wants that. Nobody wants to be seen as helping the Lakers. I, I'm sure it did not sit well with teams when the Lakers came out of the Russell Westbrook trade at last year's trade deadline. Um, with most people saying the Lakers won that trade. I'm sure people didn't, didn't like that. The Lakers have had plenty of success over their run as a, as a franchise. Of course, 17 NBA championships. Teams don't want to help the Lakers. So is there a Lakers tax? Sure, that's probably part of it. Teams don't want to feel like their top stars are really just acting as, as farm teams for the Lakers, that ultimately those top stars are going to wind up in purple and gold. So there's that. But I'll also say, as much as we want to look at this and say Lakers tax and this is a real thing and all of that, which I think it is, but I also think we have to look at the situation. 
if I'm an opposing team and Rob Palenka calls me up and wants to trade with me, I'm I'm thinking I've got a I've got an opportunity here. I'm got I've got an opportunity here for me to get a real steal. And the reason for that is the Lakers are sitting in ninth in the Western Conference. Again, we're going to take a look at the standings in just a moment. But the Lakers are sitting in ninth in the West. LeBron James has a player option. LeBron's already made some noise, right? The hourglass emoji and, and things of that nature. And so it's pretty clear there's pressure on the Lakers to get something done. They can't just sit in ninth. They're, they can't be happy there. LeBron can't be happy there. They've got to do something to appease him. That's a situation that I'm trying to prey upon. If I'm an opposing team, if I'm an opposing team, I'm thinking, you know what? Maybe I can get these guys to do something stupid. And that's why I've been saying of the trades, and I, I'm not going to pretend and assume that I'm privy to every trade conversation the Lakers were in, but of the ones that I've heard of in terms of ones where I feel like I have a pretty good idea of what the asking price was for some of these guys. I mean, Lakers nation, you guys would have been upset had the Lakers done some of these deals with what teams were asking for. So when I look at, and again, I don't know every single deal that was on the table. I'm sure there were tons of conversations that, I, that I'm not privy to, but it sure seems like as painful as it was at the deadline, standing pat was probably the correct move for the Lakers. Now, if it ultimately costs them LeBron, if that uh, pushes LeBron further away, then maybe we're going to have to re reevaluate that. But right now, it looks like, you know, things worked out okay. You wound up getting Spencer Dinwiddie. You kept D'Angelo Russell. You kept Austin Reeves. You didn't trade those guys in for DeJounte Murray. Now, maybe the Lakers restart trade talks for DeJounte this summer. That tends to happen, by the way. The deals that don't get done at the trade deadline, they pick up again in the summer. So it wouldn't shock me if the Lakers and Hawks are negotiating again come June uh, on a DeJounte Murray deal. So that's certainly something to keep an eye on. But Trey Young... Right, That's another guy, Donovan Mitchell, another guy that could be out there that the Lakers will have interest in should they hit the trade market. I'm not saying the Lakers are going to be able to get those guys. I'm not saying they won't be outbid because that's my guess is I think they would be outbid. But the Lakers tax, yes, it's real, but I'm not going to just fall back on that and say that's why the Lakers didn't get a deal done. I also think it's their circumstances. I think had they been a three seed or something right now where Rob Polinka could credibly say, hey, I don't have to do anything right now. Well, I think that uh, that would have given them a much better bargaining position and perhaps diminished opposing teams' thoughts of fleecing the Lakers. So I think that was part of it, too. I think last year, the fact that they were in a tough spot in the standings and still got a really good deal done, I thought that was more of the surprise than teams trying to fleece the Lakers at this year's trade deadline and sensing that they had a lot of urgency to do something. Okay, let's take a quick peek at the standings. Here's where things are if you're joining on the YouTube channel, which, by the way, you should definitely subscribe to if you're not a subscriber already. Uh, turn on those notifications as well. Podcast listeners, this is what it looks like. Uh, we've got the Lakers are sitting in the ninth seed. They are uh, two and a half games back of the Dallas Mavericks right now. And the Mavs have won their last four. They looked great. Not good, but great with their new additions. Uh, they, they took it to the Thunder, uh, bringing in... Daniel Gafford, who looks absolutely fantastic, catching lobs from Luka. P.J. Washington uh, was good. Uh, the Mavs looked looked incredible. But uh, the Lakers would like to, at the very least, move up to the 7 or 8 seed. Long way to go still here. 
but the Lakers would like to, at the very least, move up to the seven or eight seed, if not move up to the six seed, which is going to be difficult. I mean, the Lakers did beat the Pels, and that that helps, but LA right now is three and a half games back of of New Orleans. That's a lot of ground to make up. Uh, but nonetheless, obviously, you'd like to get up to the sixth seed. That means you're not in the play-in at all. If you're in the play-in tournament, you want to be the seven or eight seed and not the nine or ten seed. And here's why. the If you are the seven or eight seed, you're in a double elimination situation. You have to lose twice in order to get knocked out. If you're the nine or ten seed, you're in a single elimination situation. If you lose once, you're done. So the way it would work right now, this is the order. And then this will certainly change by the end of the season. But right now, the order is Sacramento seventh, Dallas is eighth, the Lakers are ninth, and the Warriors are tenth. The way the play in tournament works is the seventh seed would play the eighth seed. The winner of that would advance and would become the seventh seed. The loser of that would play the winner of the nine seed versus the 10 seed. So in this case, the Lakers would play the Warriors. Whoever wins, would advance to play the loser of Sacramento and Dallas. The loser of the 9-10 seed of the Lakers Warriors would go home. So let's say let's say Sacramento beats Dallas and the Lakers beat the Warriors. So the Warriors go home, the Kings advance into the playoffs and then it would become Dallas against the Lakers for the final the 8th playoff spot. That's the way that would work out. So that's why you really want to be the seven or eight or the eight seed. And by the way, in those matchups, the seven seed would have home court advantage over the eighth when they play each other. And then the nine seed would have home court over the 10th when those two teams play each other. And then obviously the loser of the seven, eight would have home court over the winner of the nine, 10 that they would see in round two. So that's what that looks like. So if you're the Lakers, if you can't get up to the six seed, you're targeting seven or eight, ideally seven. So you can have home court but you want to have that situation where you have to lose twice in order to get knocked out. Now, right now, the Warriors are just one game back behind the Lakers. They've won four straight. That's not ideal. Utah, and this is why this game coming up day after tomorrow is so important. Utah is just a game and a half back of the Lakers as well. So that's another team to keep an eye on and a team that the Lakers may have to deal with. So right now, Right now, the Lakers, they're in the thick of it. It looks most likely that they'll be in the play-in, but they would have to go on a, a big-time run in order to get up to the sixth seed, and the schedule gets pretty rough come March. But that's where things stand as of right now. Bet US, we are America's favorite sports book. And to celebrate our 30-year anniversary, we are giving 125% sign-up bonus and up to 30 risk-free bets. So what are you waiting for? Join now. Check out BetUS, everybody. It is a very, very easy thing to sign up for. You can use the link down in the description, get a 125% bonus. Just look at this. I'm just looking around at a few different basketball games that they've got on there. But whatever sport you're into, I'm assuming if you're listening to this show that you're probably into basketball, but they've got everything. They've got soccer. They've got baseball, which baseball season's coming up. We know that's, that's going to be starting up soon. But look at this. You can find the 76ers, the Cavs, the Spurs, the Raptors, pretty much anything that you want, you can go find over on BetUS makes it super, super easy and very easy to sign up as well. That big yellow box right there, get started, click on that, and they'll take you right through everything. Again, use that link in the description down below. 125% sign-up bonus makes all the games that much more interesting. Use our link in the description down below. All right, 
Let's get into the mailbags. I've got a lot of questions and comments uh, that we need to discuss. So let's dive in to the LakersNation.com mailbag. Uh, Soy Saucy said, Trevor, I still can't believe we couldn't get in on Boyan, especially the Knicks. Only had to let go of seconds and some role players. What happened? Um, so in terms of what happened with the with the Boyan Bogdanovich trade and 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 what happened there, I mean, look, the the Knicks, I thought they had a fantastic uh, offseason, but the problem was that I think the Lakers underestimated the value of expiring contracts. They signed a lot of guys to multi-year deals thinking, okay, we made this run last year in the playoffs. Let's lock in on some of these guys. Let's have these guys long-term. They're going to provide value on these contracts and they're going to be movable trade chips. That's what we talked about in the summer. The problem was Rui Hachimura has not lived up to his contract. Uh, Gabe Vincent has very clearly not lived up to his contract because he essentially hasn't played. Uh, Austin Reeves is not a guy they were looking to move. D'Angelo Russell's player option became problematic, which I still think is a little bit silly. If he picks up that player option, you're in great shape because you've got him on an expiring deal at a fantastic number the way he's playing. But whatever, teams are still not, not sold on D'Angelo. So all the guys that you paid, uh, Jared Vanderbilt's not trade eligible at this point because of when he's, he signed his extension. So all the guys that you gave money to that, that are movable contracts or we thought would be movable contracts have underperformed or just been injured and that's prevented them from having the kind of trade value that teams wanted. On top of that, teams, because of the new CBA coming in, are, were very much valuing um, expiring deals. So when you look at, like, Evan Fournier was part of the Boyan Bogdanovich trade, that's a big expiring contract that Detroit was able to get. Teams were looking to not take long-term salaries back. Gabe Vincent, there was just no... I mean, even the Lakers tried attaching draft capital to him, and nobody wanted him because of the extra years left on the deal. Um, which, by the way, the arrival of Spencer Dinwiddie takes all the pressure off of Gabe Vincent to come back this season. I had been hearing that it's not a certainty he even comes back at all. So we'll see. I hope he does come back because I think the Lakers are going to need to use him as a trade chip this summer. But um, so hopefully he does come back. But this does getting Spencer Dinwiddie does take that pressure off of him. But teams were really looking for expiring deals. So Detroit was able to get uh, an interesting young player in Quentin Grimes. Then they were able to get a bunch of expiring contracts. The Lakers just didn't have the expiring deals to offer. Um, again, if teams are looking at Rui and looking at uh, Gabe Vincent as negative deals, it was tough for them to get in on a trade like that. You also have to remember Boyan is is older. So if you're going to surrender draft capital for him, um, he's probably not going to be part of your future. It's one of the reasons why I liked the DeJounte Murray potential trade because he can be part of your future for years to come. If you get into a pinch and you have to go into a rebuild, you could probably retrade him and get draft capital back, and then you can kind of start a rebuild that way. Same thing which you would do with Anthony Davis in that dark scenario, which the Lakers don't want to go into that into that mode. But Boyan Bogdanovich, on the other hand, the Knicks are probably going to get the last of, of the value from his contract. They're probably not going to be able to flip him down the road for future assets. But again, the Knicks are in a different situation than where the Lakers are right now. So I know when you see that and you see only second rounders going out, it, you think, well, why couldn't the Lakers do that? I think the expiring contracts really had a lot to do with it. The Lakers tax, sure, that's probably part of it as well. Uh, KM said the Lakers need to use their last roster spot on a big man instead of a point guard. Well, this obviously this came in before the Dinwiddie signing. To beat Denver, they need to get bigger. There's not really a big out there, unless you're a really big Robin Lopez fan, which I don't, I mean, he's 35, I believe. I don't know how much he's really got left. 
Devon Johnson said, do you believe that a fully healthy Lakers roster with a possible addition of Dinwiddie can make a run if playing at their full potential? Uh, yes, I do. If they're playing at their full potential. We saw it at the trade deadline, or I'm sorry, at the in-season tournament, what they can do when they're at their best. And they were a very good team. Their defense goes to another level when they're at their best. The problem is they've been the Jekyll and Hyde team. That's been what we've called them this season because you never know what you're going to get out of them. And that's what worries me a little bit for tomorrow night's game against Detroit is that Detroit has actually been playing better basketball recently. They gave the Clippers a run. If the Lakers don't show up against Detroit, they could get beat, and that would be embarrassing. But they could get beat in that game. Same thing is true against Utah. They're going to go on the road second night of a back-to-back to Utah before the uh, before the All-Star break, and they've got to get that win too in terms of the standings. It's really important that they stack two more wins on their record before they go off to the All-Star break. So could the Lakers make a run if fully healthy? Yes, but they would also have to consistently play like the best version of themselves, and that's the one thing that they have not done this season. Well, they also haven't stayed healthy, and that's been part of their inconsistency but they have not consistently played like the best version of themselves. Instead, they have, again, been very, very Jekyll and Hyde. Starmelter said the Kobe statue is incredible. As soon as it was unveiled, its worthiness was immediately palpable. I miss you, Mamba. Yeah, you know, the, the Kobe statue was incredible. I, I loved seeing that. I thought it was uh, I thought it was very well done. I like that there's actually going to be three statues in order to uh, pay tribute to the number eight Kobe the number 24 Kobe, and then a, a Kobe and Gigi statue as well. I'm still, you know, I think if they were, given that they were doing it this way, right, I think they picked the right pose for number eight. Now for 24, I'm hoping that we get uh, Kobe on the announcer's table celebrating uh, the the championship win over Boston after game seven. I think that's that's the one I'd like to see for Jersey 24 and then Kobe and Gigi. Yeah, I mean, there's going to be tons tons of different images you can pick from that. Hunter said, D'Lo might not be a good defender and the most consistent off-ball, but his insane scoring runs are crucial for the Lakers reaching their ceiling and his passing and his energy. Yeah, and that's one of the things that's problematic or would have been problematic about moving D'Angelo Russell is that you would essentially have to replace him with somebody else who can do stuff like him. And that was what made a... DeJounte Murray trade at least somewhat interesting because you would be getting another ball handling guard back. If you had traded D'Angelo Russell, I don't know, let's say you did a trade D'Lo for Dorian Finney-Smith. Now, I'm not saying you should do that deal at all, but just hypothetically, had you done some type of deal like that, then you have to go find another point guard to replace D'Angelo Russell. You can say, well, you just got Spencer Dinwiddie. Sure, but that's a, I like Spencer Dinwiddie, but you're probably you're taking a step back there. At, at the point guard position. So that's the challenge for the Lakers. And that's again, speaks to how important D'Angelo Russell is for this team and how important it is that he's on a heater come playoff time, because when he's on a heater, he's great. There's been games where he's not been their third guy. He's been their guy. He's had games recently where he's been the best player. How crazy is that? LeBron and Anthony Davis are on this team and, and D'Angelo Russell has had, I'm not talking about a lot of games, but a few games where he's been their best guy and he's been fantastic. So he's really important to this team getting where they want to go. There is no question about that. Ben said, I'm a Lakers fan, Mikey. Yeah. Uh, Luke said, 
Not going to lie, I get giddy when Jackson Hayes comes in now. He's been great suddenly, but I particularly love the energy he brings to the floor. Yeah, he, uh, he's he been a whirling dervish. He's making me look foolish for saying he's unplayable, which I honestly think he was unplayable for a long time. I mean, he couldn't, couldn't set foot on the floor without getting called for a foul. He was setting moving screens like, like crazy. And I hope it doesn't go back to that. I, I hope if this is just an epiphany from Jackson Hayes and he's fig figured out how to stay out there and make the most of his uh, frenetic energy and his uh, quick feed, his athleticism. But he's been good for the Lakers and he's been definitely been forced into action with Jared Vanderbilt's sideline, which, by the way, there's doubt over whether or not Gabe Vincent's coming back. There's also doubt over whether or not Jared Vanderbilt is coming back. And boy, do they need him. Uh, Cam Reddish, hopefully he'll be back and ready to go after the All-Star break because they definitely need his defense without uh, Gabe Vincent. But Jackson Hayes, yeah, he's been he's been great. Been a lot of fun to watch. He was flying all over the floor. He can dunk the ball. He's been getting some big rebounds, doing all the things that you would hope uh, for the Lakers. So I hope this is a sign of things to come and this is not just a flash in the pan because that's kind of been how it's gone with the backup bigs, right? Christian Wood will look great for a few weeks and then disappears. Jackson Hayes does some good things and then disappears. Next thing you know, he looks unplayable. Now he comes back and he looks great. I, I just hope these guys can stay. Again, the only thing consistent about this Lakers team has been inconsistency. Oh, man. So this was from the other day's show, and I, I'm bummed that I missed it live. Um, this one says, getting married tomorrow. Didn't get to watch the game tonight. Um, but I'm here now with my boys. I, I hope the wedding went fantastic. I, I hope it went great. I hope you had a, a wonderful wedding and uh, you can watch a lot of Lakers basketball in the future. But uh, but obviously that must have happened. That happened over the weekend. So I missed that comment live, but I hope you had a, a wonderful, wonderful wedding and I hope it went off uh, without any issues. John said, would you start Dinwiddie instead of Reeves if he does sign? No, I wouldn't. I, I wouldn't go that far. I would not start Austin Reeves or not start uh, Spencer Dinwiddie. I would start Austin Reeves. And, and there's a few reasons for that. So number one, I think that Austin and D'Angelo Russell, despite their defensive shortcomings, do enjoy playing basketball together. Now, I think D'Lo will also enjoy playing with, with uh, Dinwiddie, but I think Austin and D'Lo, they enjoy playing together. I think especially once you can get some more defensive players back, if Jared Vanderbilt comes back, if he can get back into the starting lineup, it makes the D'Lo Reeves backcourt one that you can utilize a little bit more, makes it make a little bit more sense if you've got Vando in place of Rui at the three. But I, I think part of this too is Austin has earned his role. He's earned it. And to lose that to a guy that you just signed on a minimum deal or on a, a small deal, not quite a minimum deal, but a small deal off the buyout market, that probably wouldn't sit well. You know, I mean, think about it. If you're, and Austin is the consummate professional. He's the guy that's always going to, you know, do whatever's best for the team. But one of the issues, when there were all those reports, uh, you know, the Athletic had the report, gosh, what was it, probably six weeks ago now, about how there were players in the locker room who were not happy with with Darwin, about how there's a disconnect and all that. A lot of that is because the minutes, their roles are getting constantly shifted around, constantly changed. That's not easy, um, especially when it was just kind of being done haphazardly. 
suddenly it's, hey, let's throw out a lineup with no guards just to see what happens. And we're, the players don't like that. Players want consistency. Players want to have a sense of where their minutes are coming from, where their shots are coming from, what they need to do in order to help the team be successful. That's what players want. And so I'm not making any changes right now beyond the changes they've already made. And it's been a ton of them this year. A lot of them due to injury, but not all. But I'm not doing something like that now, especially because Austin hasn't done anything to deserve a demotion. He's been good. In fact, you look at the last game, every Laker had 20 points or more. So I'm not moving Austin down to the bench immediately. Um, I'll also say this. I think doing that would, it would bring back some bad memories. So the Lakers last season, when they went on their run, when they, they were winning and so everything was fine, everything's good, grand, whatever. You know what I mean? Like everything worked out. But when the Lakers made the trades they did and immediately Jared Vanderbilt, D'Angelo Russell, and Malik Beasley are the three starters alongside LeBron and AD. And those are the three new guys you brought in and all the other guys that were still standing after the trade deadline that hadn't been traded, that had been with the team, that had been working all year long, that suddenly their starting jobs were gone when three new guys came in and didn't step on the floor to really earn them. I, that did not sit well. That did not sit well with some of the players on the Lakers roster. Again, they started winning games and it was, let's do what we need to do in order to win and, and off you go, right? So I'm not saying this was some major problem but it was something that rubbed people the wrong way last year. You really you don't want a repeat of that, especially with there already being a disconnect in the locker room. You really don't want there to be a repeat of new guy comes in and is instantly handed a starting job. You don't want that. Uh, Javon Martin said, this brother Spencer Dinwiddie uh, needs bread. His Bitcoin's not doing too good right now. Uh, I see the Mavs. He said, I see the Mavs getting him again. This was before the decision actually came out. But yeah, obviously the Lakers landed him, which was which was fantastic to see. Uh, Bitcoin, by the way, has been on a bit of a tear lately. Uh, but I, I, yeah, there it's had some ups and downs for sure. <laughs> no question. But yeah, look, the, the Mavs were seen as a real threat to land him. They had more money to spend on him. And the Lakers got him. I think it means something for him to be a Laker. By the way, I also think, and I already talked about how this takes some of the pressure off of Gabe Vincent. This is completely me speculating here. Guys on the buyout market, they're looking for two things. Minutes, like a role, and a chance to win. Right? They're typically looking for those two things. They want to have a role because they want to be able to prove that they deserve their next contract. Right? And that's going to be coming up in just a few months. So, Guys in the buyout market, they want to make sure that they've got a role and they want to make sure that they are able to perform on the big stage because they know if they have a role in the team and that role shows well, especially during the playoffs, they're going to get paid in the summer. So think about this. If you're Gabe Vincent and the Mavs, who just made these big moves, are calling you up and saying, hey, we want you to come play with Luca," and you've got familiarity with the Mavs, you've played with them before, Come play with Luca. Come play with Kyrie. Let's go. You know, let's let's do this. You know that's a team that's got a lot of potential, and LeBron and AD have a lot of potential as well. But that Mavs team, they just made some big moves. They've got a lot of potential. 
And there's minutes there. There's minutes there. If you're talking to the Lakers and the Lakers are saying, well, you know, Gabe Vincent might come back and then he's going to be in the rotation too. And then it's, then it's D'Lo, Austin, and Gabe that you have to compete with for minutes. And you're all going to be kind of playing the same position, not to mention Max Christie's uh, a two as well. And you got to compete with all those guys. It would seem like there's probably more minutes available in Dallas. So I do wonder if now that Spencer, if Spencer did when he, what was communicated to him about Gabe Vincent's status? Has then what he been told? Hey, look, we don't even know if Gabe's coming back. Even if he does, you've got the leg up here. This is going to be your job. Because if he's the third guard in this rotation and he's seeing 20 plus minutes every single night, that makes a lot of sense why he would pick the Lakers. If he was told, hey, Gabe's coming back in like three weeks. And when he comes back, you're going to be competing with him too. Would that have pushed him to Dallas? I wonder, I wonder if this Spencer Dinwiddie picking the Lakers. And again, this is completely me speculating, but I wonder if that's perhaps the strongest sign yet that Gabe Vincent may we may not see him this season. Something to consider. I mean, look, part of the way the Lakers got Andre Drummond, right? Or at least the rumor was that they got Andre Drummond in the buyout market years ago by promising to give him a starting job. I mean, that's guys want to have opportunity if they're going to be bought out, if they're going to be on that market. And um, I, I do wonder what about Gabe Vincent's status was shared with Spencer Dinwiddie, if it's been made clear to him that he is the third guy in the guard rotation and he will be in that kind of Dennis Schroeder role from last year. Okay. Uh, Mark said, thank God Ham putting Davis back in with three fouls early in the second. Didn't come back to bite us. Yes. Uh, that was again, the game against the Pelicans. I, I thought the Lakers were in big trouble and fortunately they were able to weather the storm. James said, great win. I feel we need to play Christian Wood more. Hayes is rolling. Christian Wood does need to get going. Um, he's had some moments where he hasn't looked great recently. He had a, a spell there where he was fantastic though. And again, it's the inconsistency across this team, across positions. It's maddening. Uh, Elvis said, who should we sign if Dinwiddie goes to the Mavs? Obviously, he did not do that. But let me just reiterate something here, too, because I get a lot of people saying, well, can the Lakers go sign another guy on the buyout market? It's very unlikely. I've even talked to team sources, and they've said, no, our, our roster is probably set. Now, maybe somebody gets bought out that we're not expecting. Maybe something else happens. Yeah, right. Like you just You never know for sure in the NBA, but... The Lakers waiving anybody right now to open up another roster spot, it's just not likely. First of all, keep in mind, Skylar Mays, Dylan Windler, Colin Castleton, those guys are all on two-way contracts. Um, you cannot demote JHS or Max Lewis to two-way contracts. You'd have to waive them, which would lock in their future salaries onto your books as dead money. You'd waive them and then re-sign them to two-way contracts, and that would be hoping that another team doesn't just pick them up, which they very well might, especially given their where their salaries are at. So that's you're not gonna it's not gonna be one of those guys. If you wave Christian Wood, if you wave Jackson Hayes, if you wave Cam Reddish, all three of those guys have player options for next year. That would become dead money on your books. The player options for next year would lock in, which by the way, as uh, Eric Pincus noted, the Lakers were probably a little bit um, generous in giving those player options. That's not really what the market was saying they needed to do. And they did. 
which does rob them of a little bit of flexibility because again, that money is locked on your books if you decide to waive any of those guys. But on top of that, you really need Cam Reddish's defense with Jared Vanderbilt injured and your big rotation. It's not like Christian Wood or Jackson Hayes has separated themselves to the point where you just say, yep, that's it. That's the guy from here on out. No, like I said, they're inconsistent. So you kind of need both of them. So for all of those reasons, the Lakers aren't going to be, I, it does not look like they're going to make any more buyout additions. The team is what it is. Spencer Dinwiddie takes the 15th roster spot and that's it. Mark, uh, still bitter. He's talking about bitter about the Denver game. All-star break can't come soon enough for this team. Defense wins championships. So the old saying goes, yeah, I mean, the Lakers need, <clears throat> the Lakers do need the all-star break, which, you know, LeBron and AD obviously are going to be busy. Um, they're going to be playing, but the Lakers, they play Tuesday, Wednesday this week, and then they're on break. They don't play again until the following week, till the 22nd. That's when they take on the Warriors. So this is going to be a nice break for them. Nice break, get some rest, recover, get ready for the final stretch of the season. AD and LeBron will get theirs, but D'Lo will always and has been our key to success when he's on. The team's confidence level goes up times 10, and they're having fun. I do think there's something to that. The idea that D'Angelo Russell, the energy that he brings is infectious when he really has it going. He's got the swagger going. He's talking to the crowd. He's a lot of fun. And the same is said in, in the inverse when he's struggling, when he's having a rough night. So I do think there's something to that, that D'Angelo Russell is indeed a key uh, to the Lakers' success. John Drake said, question, Hayes and Woods, are they playoff rotation guys, or can we upgrade on the buyout market? Uh, Woods for like Morris or Fournier, Hayes or another big. I, I do think the Lakers need bigs if you were to, to cut either one of them. So I don't see them cutting those guys because I I don't see other bigs out there on the market that make sense as, as replacements for right now. The Lakers tried to trade Gabe Vincent at the trade deadline, but teams thought his contract was simply too expensive. The Lakers and NBA teams, however, they've got millions of dollars to spend. Most likely you don't. That's why I'd recommend that you check out Harry's razors for a great shave at a great price. Harry saw customers getting ripped off by the shaving industry with overpriced, underperforming products and decided to do something better. Harry's was also the very first advertiser ever on the LakersNation.com podcast. We're talking probably 70 years ago at this point. So I've been using Harry's razors for a long, long time. I use the Truman handle. I actually have multiple versions of it. I have an orange one. I also have a gray one. I use one for at home and I take one with me to travel. It fits great in my hand and gives me a great shave every single time. But Harry's is not just razors. A lot of people associate them with that, but they also have a bunch of other fantastic products. I use their body wash. And in particular, I like the stone scent. I have tried them all and stone is my favorite. My backup when I want to mix things up, it's redwood. They also have great deodorants. They've got all kinds of things that you can find over at Harry's razors. Definitely go check them out. And we offer a great deal. You can get a five blade razor, a weighted handle, foaming shave gel, and a travel cover told you guys, they've got a bunch of stuff uh, for just $3 at harrys.com slash Lakers Nation. So you get the best without having to spend the most when you shave with Harry's. Get started with a $13 trial set for just $3 at harrys.com slash Lakers Nation. That's harrys.com slash Lakers Nation 
for a $3 trial set. All right, everybody, once again, yeah, check out harrys.com slash Lakers Nation. They have uh, a fantastic deal going on there. Again, literally, I, I use all their products on a daily basis. Um, I, I use their their hair products, their body wash, their razors. Uh, they are absolutely fantastic. Their deodorant, go, uh, go check them out. Okay, let's get into a few more of the mailbag questions here. Uh, Jason says, continuity wins championships. The best teams keep their groups together. Palinka probably got tired of seeing former Lakers wreck the league. I mean, when we're talking about the trade deadline and why didn't the Lakers make a move? Yeah, continuity wins championships. So the problem, the problem is this: uh, the Lakers, they were supposed to have continuity coming into the season. Like that was one of the big selling points. Was hey, we had all these guys last year that we brought in. We're going to bring them all back this year, and then. We're going to hit the ground running, right? We're not going to be playing catch up at the beginning of the season anymore, which we did for years because we were trying to integrate all these new guys. And let's face it, injuries hurt. No question. Jared Vanderbilt, I believe, was supposed to start at the beginning of the year. He didn't because of injury. But I think the coaches, when they looked at the lineups they were going to play, that whole continuity thing, that whole chemistry thing of, of let's use the guys that were together last year, they crumpled it up and threw it away. And so that's not ideal. It's not a, you took the, an advantage that you were going to have and you, and you dismissed it for no reason, seemingly. So uh, as far as the continuity, yes, like not making a trade at the trade deadline can help you in terms of continuity. It does help you out there. I think guys play a little bit freer after the trade deadline because they're not looking over their sh shoulder, worried about all the rumors and all the trades and all that kind of stuff. But it also requires that you take advantage of the continuity, the chemistry that does exist on the roster. And I felt like, honestly, the coaching staff didn't do a very good job of that in the beginning stages of the season. And hopefully that is something that continues to be improved upon as the season goes on. Now you're integrating a new face in Spencer Dinwiddie. So what does that look like? How do you how do you figure all that out? But they've got to find their groove and they've got to find it very quickly. And it's been really difficult with so many guys out hurt. Again, right? I mean, right now we're waiting for Cam Reddish to come out to come back. Jared Vanderbilt is out. Max Christie has a sprained ankle. What happens there? Um, Gabe Vincent, like they've got so many guys that they've lost due to injury that it it's not all on the coaching staff. Injury has been a big factor here, but I think the continuity that they had wasn't capitalized on uh, the Lakers starters were superstar of the night. That was for the, the Pelicans game. Uh, Spencer being at the game, sitting next to Rob Palenka is crazy. Three low is him lifting up the Pelicans master lock. Dylan Brooks, as always, we always do the master lock of the night. If you haven't joined us post game for any other of our post game live shows, you definitely should. We give out awards. We master lock, whatever the, the most annoying thing from a game was Dylan Brooks, even if he isn't playing still gets master lock. Um, as far as Spencer Dinwiddie being at the game, yeah, like, I mean, he went to the Knicks and the Mavs game too. So that, you know, it wasn't like he only showed favoritism to the Lakers, but it was nice to see him sitting there and then and then pick the Lakers, pick the sign with the Lakers over the Mavs. That was great to see. And uh, and I hope this works out really well for an L.A. guy, Spencer Dinwiddie. You know, he went to, went to Taft High School, which is uh, the, the high school my dad actually went to a long time ago. But uh, but Spencer Dinwiddie, L.A. guy, and I hope this works out great for all parties involved, for the Lakers, for Spencer, for, Spencer, for everybody. 
John said we still need to add shooting like Evan Fournier, Din, uh, Dinwiddie, Marcus Morris, Denver. We need a physical big. I mean, this is it. You've got the one move. You got Dinwiddie. They're not, they're not making other moves unless, again, somebody, Andre Drummond suddenly gets bought out and wants to join the Lakers. Okay, the, the Lakers will probably do something then. But in, in lieu of that happening, somebody surprising uh, getting bought out, I don't, I don't think they're going to, this roster is not going to change any further. Joseph said, since we moved Rui to the starting five lineup, doesn't get blown out as often. Rui might only grab five boards, but he boxes out well, allowing Braun and AD to grab boards. He took Zion on personally. Yeah, so when we look at right now, the, the battle is Rui Hachimura versus Torian Prince. And by the way, I think Torian has played pretty well off the bench. I've been saying it for a while. The problem is not Torian. Torian being in the starting lineup is not a problem with Torian. It's the decision being made to put him in the starting lineup and play him all those minutes. That's the problem. Torian Prince has been playing well for what he is, for what he does. But he was getting he's been getting asked to do things, and sometimes it's not a necessity, but he's been getting asked to do things that are just not, not things that he can do. Um so Rui in the starting lineup over Torian. Is Rui a perfect fit? No. Is Jared Vanderbilt a perfect fit? No. I think Jared Vanderbilt is the best fit. Unfortunately, he's not available. Rui, while he's not as quick as Torian, does give you more physicality at the three, does give you more size. He's just, he's bigger. He's stronger. He's better at box outs, better at rebounds in general. He's going to give you all of those things. He's 6'8 with a 7'2 wingspan, as I recall off the top of my head. 7'2. He's just a lot bigger than Torian Prince is. And that matters. Uh, that matters out there. Now, it, it would be nice if, if Rui had, you know, obviously his pull-up jumper is that is you know, the most valuable thing in the world when the, on the court with you is AD, LeBron, D'Lo, Austin. Maybe not, right? And that's where Jared Vanderbilt, who is the kind of do everything except score guy is a more valuable piece, particularly to add to those four players. But Rui Hachimura, I do think he's the better fit than Torian Prince because of the size that he provides. Um, and, and he can just do some things that, that Torian doesn't. And I think Torian's similarly, similarly Torian's three point shooting isn't as valuable when Austin and D'Lo are also in the backcourt because they can provide that three point shooting and Rui can occasionally knock in a three as well we need to give him credit there but i do like that we've seen a more aggressive rui hachimura uh in some games recently he's been getting to the basket a bit more been acting more as a cutter uh more aggressive at the rim those are things that you need out of rui he, if he's going to be on the floor you need physicality out of him reeb said if we don't match up with denver or the clippers i like us against anyone else when we're at our best and healthy well see that's the part of the problem with being in the play in tournament right now is the Lakers are the nine seed. So going back to the standings, best case scenario, if you're the nine, best case is that you would slot into the eight seed. Okay. That'd be actually be okay, right? Then you get Minnesota as of right now in round one. But look at this. Minnesota is the one seed. The Clippers, the Thunder, and the Nuggets are all a half a game back of the one seed. You're not going to have any idea where those teams are. And I agree. I would I would not want to see the Nuggets in particular in round one. Now, if the Lakers obviously are the seventh seed, that can change. But even regardless of what seed you're gunning for, seven or eight, 
you won't know no until the playing tournament really starts because I think we're in for a very close race down the stretch. And I don't think the Lakers are in a position. I think they're going to be in a tight race too. They're not going to be in position to kind of try to maneuver their way in the standings to avoid certain teams in round one. I, I don't think they're going to have that luxury. So there's a decent chance. I mean, right now in round one, it's pretty certain given the way the standings sit, the Phoenix Suns are five and a half games back there at the five seed. The Nuggets are a half a game back there at the four seed. Pretty clearly, one, two, three, four is going to be Minnesota, the Clippers, Thunder, Nuggets in some order. What that order is, who knows? Who knows? The one and the two are the thing to watch. And the Lakers most likely are going to be the seven or eight seed should they survive the play-in tournament. Now, ideally, they could move up to six, but survive the play-in tournament, and they're probably the seven or eight seed. So in that case, I would be, if I'm the Lakers, I would prefer to see OKC in round one. That's that's who I'd want to see, either OKC or Minnesota. Those are the two teams I'd prefer, and I think I would pick OKC as the group I would most want to see, and then it would be Minnesota. If I had to rank it, I would go OKC, and I like OKC a lot. I just think the Lakers match up well. I think those are all great teams, but in terms of how the Lakers match up, I think the Lakers match up best with Oklahoma City, then Minnesota, then the Clippers, and last the Nuggets. That's the way I would I would rank things. That's how I'd look at it. But again, I don't think they're going to be in position to kind of maneuver their way in the standings to try to get a certain matchup. Win as many as you can. Let the chips fall where they may. That's going to have to be the Lakers' uh, motto here. All right, everybody. That does it for this show. I do appreciate you guys joining. Make sure you do subscribe to the YouTube channel, youtube.com slash Lakers Nation, and then give us that five-star rating over on Apple Podcasts. Great way to help out the show. Till next time, everybody. See ya, and stay safe. I'm Mark Chapman. Welcome to the Planet Premier League podcast. Each week, Cesc Fabregas, Nader Manua, and myself talk all things Premier League. As a player, you don't have time to talk. No. You don't have time to make a plan. You just need to deal with wave after wave after wave. We watched Coach Carter, and he said, oh, afterwards, the game's just about doing this for your teammates. And I remember looking around halfway through the film, and half the squad was asleep. <laughs> Planet Premier League. Listen wherever you get your podcasts.